Hey, Betfolio Boys family. I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet because this episode is a little bit of a lengthy one. I had such a good time recording this with the fabulous Paige Allen. This was our very last recording at VMX, and I could not have picked a better guest to wrap up such a great conference this year. Paige recently retired. Yay, congratulations. And in this talk, she reflected on some of the important moments in her career, both highlights and challenges, and shared her hope and her vision for the future of veterinary medicine. Like I said, I'm going to keep my comments brief because we had such a good time just waxing poetic about oh so many topics. So let me go ahead and introduce the amazing, the phenomenal Paige Allen, and we'll get into our talk. Paige Allen graduated with an Associates in Veterinary Technology in 1983, a Bachelor's in Business Administration in 1996, and a Master's in Educational Technology in 2005. She's worked in mixed animal practice and in academia, focusing on large animals and anesthesia. During her 35 plus years at Purdue University, she worked in the large animal hospital supporting the DVMs in their clinical cases and research. She taught both veterinary and veterinary technology students. She was the director of Central Supply, managing people, inventory, and the sterilization for the entire college. She was a key person in developing Purdue's veterinary nursing distance learning program and managed and taught in the program for over 20 years. She most recently was the head academic advisor for Purdue's veterinary nursing program before leaving in June, 2023. She's currently still engaged in the profession as co-editor for the 11th edition of McKiernan's clinical textbook for veterinary technicians and nurses and helping to plan continuing education events around the country. She believes in being involved in her professional community and has served in NAFTA, AVTE, IVTA, and most recently was president of NAVC. She loves spending time with her amazing husband, Daryl, and their five grandchildren, and is the proud servant of her two cats, Mac and Cheese. All right, I hope that gives you an idea of what we're in for in this episode. Let's go ahead and jump in. I am here with the always fun and charismatic Paige Allen. And Paige, you know, we just went through your intro to kind of introduce who you are, but I'd love to hear just in your own words, you know, kind of who you are and about your career story up to this point. Man, that's a long time. How long do we have for this whole podcast? It's uh, I've, uh, long enough. Okay. Long enough. <laughs> All right. So um, I have been a veterinary technician, registered veterinary technician for, it was actually, I graduated 40 years ago in 2023. So my 40th anniversary. Congratulations. <sighs> Hard to believe, right? Somebody actually stayed in the profession beyond the five to seven years. Yes. Yeah. yeah well beyond the five to seven years. Yeah. That's great. So I worked in private practice for a couple of years, got bored. So that's a little bit of the theme of my life. Every time I got bored, I changed jobs. Okay. And so I moved to the, or I applied for and got a job at Purdue University, worked there for the rest of my career, but in a variety of jobs. Sure. So large animal technician, anesthesia technician in large animal, which is the only way to be. It is. I, I do love you know. large animal anesthesia. I also worked in anesthesia and I did love anesthetizing horses. And then one of my favorite just like moments where I was like, yes, I have arrived was when it was a goat and we had to do, and I think it was an art line in, it was, I can't remember. Ear. An ear. Yeah. An ear. 
but the way the goat was positioned, I had to do it with my left hand. Oh. And I did it. And yeah. I was like, yes, my career has You can do it. You can do it, Catherine, here. with either hand. Yes. You're ready to go. Yes. Yeah. And that might be an anesthesia treat, I think. I think so. Yeah. I think so. so. So then I was director of central supply for a few years, which is like uh, for the hospital, it was sterilization and disposable yeah. goods and all that. And that's where I really learned that I don't love supervision. I can relate to that. I can do supervision. Right. But I'm really much more of a leader. Yeah. Uh, visionary kind of person like don't the David yeah don't I and I don't like I don't I'm not conflict avoidance okay but it's hard right if you have an employee who's not doing well or you have to help them or it it's it's hard to know what they need and be the person that they need so I struggle with that so so when you say don't you love. don't like supervision you're not saying I don't like having somebody supervise me you're saying you don't like supervise I don't love supervise okay. okay I don't love being a supervisor sure so I learned that I did that for about um, three and a half years. And then I went down to, down the hall, to the vet nursing program. It was the vet tech program at the time. Okay. I got recruited to help start our distance learning program. So our Purdue University's veterinary technology at the time, distance learning program, started in 1999. And this spring, so I had retired from Purdue last summer. Congratulations. Thank you very much. They have 650 students registered this spring semester. That's fantastic. I could not believe, I'm wow. like, that's crazy. So then my last bit of career was as an academic advisor for our veterinary nursing students. Okay. So start out just me and one other girl. And then I got made her supervisor. Here we go with the supervisor. And now you're supervising again. And then I hired three others. So I was supervising four people by the time I left. You just couldn't get away from it. Yeah. You must've been good at it. I did okay. I, okay. Like, I can look back now and see my mistakes and the things I could have done better. Like, we all do that, right? Sure. What I could have done better, well, how I could have helped my staff better. So I'm still learning. Even though I'm retired, only have to say that word because that's what you do to get all the special perks. Right. Where you retire from, right? But I'm still working. I'm still doing the things that I love. Um, one of these, like hanging out with you and having yes. the opportunity to do that. I helped with the Hive event last fall that NAVC has started. I also edited Kernan's textbook for veterinary technicians. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yes. I got asked to do that. And so we just finished that project. That'll come out in 25, 2025 okay. is when it'll get, and then we'll probably start all over again because that's how it is in the book world. Right. If you've, have you done a book? I have never been asked to edit Don't a book. do it. No. No, I'm not. That's I was going to say, true. you seem so excited that's not true. about it. I know. I'm just thinking, I wonder what I could put you, what I could get you to do. I, like, I'm, I'm intrigued. I won't lie. I'm, I'm very intrigued yeah. on what this would entail. And, yeah. I, you know, I think you're speaking to a commonality that many of us in the profession have and just that lifelong learning yeah. of, yeah, you want me to read an entire textbook? Okay, that yeah. sounds great. Let's do that. Now, to be fair, I only did half. So there's two of us that are editors. It still counts. I, I know. <laughs> I know. But so it's like, you know, it's this thick. Well, yeah. And so like three inches thick. Yeah. And it has every topic. Right. And from management to records, writing records, to large animal and small animal and anesthesia and ClinPath and all. So it's a little bit of everything. Right. And so contributors write the chapters or revise the chapters. Like we don't make everybody start over every sure. time we do it. And so it's always nice to bring in fresh contributors with new eyes. So yeah. we should talk. I would love to talk And see about if that. there's anything you might be interested in the next round. I, well, so I think another thing we have in common, we were like, I got bored and I changed out. I'm like, <laughs> I also like doing new things because sometimes I'm like, yeah, okay, I've been doing this. What else can I get my hands into? Yeah. Because there's so much in the veterinary world. There's so much that we can do. Yeah. You know, we, I've talked to several people. There was actually, 
I think on the DVM program here at VMX, something about different careers in veterinary medicine. There was. And I, I don't know if there was on the tech side or the nurse side, but there was on the DVM side. And I always think those are great things. That, like all the things I did, like I had an associate's or I have an associate's degree. Then I got a bachelor's in business administration mm -hmm. because I thought if I ever left Purdue, I could be a practice manager, yeah. right? And then when I started working in the distance learning program and creating content and courses, I did my master's in education okay. so that I would have an understanding of what I was doing, right? Right. And so that continuous learning and then all of these, I want to say these things fell in my lap, but I don't think that's really what happened. It almost never is. It feels like that. I, I can yeah. relate to that feeling. But, you know, I really think it's a result of hard work and doing a good job. And then, the op you know, that's where these opportunities are really coming from, even though it feels like they fall in your lap. Well, and the networking, right? right. And knowing the people or being willing to talk to people. Sure. So I stopped at a, I was at, so I'm going to put a plug in for InTouch Communications. Sure. So they are a vendor here. And my best friend, one of my best friends, her daughter works for that company. And they won the award. The I don't know what it's called. Was that the, the Booth Award? Pet, the Pet Pitch? Is that what that's called? No. They, so they have, a, they have a booth on the floor. And they won Best Booth like for the show. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Best Setup. They had some stiff competition. Yeah. I got to be down there and watch this girl who I've known since she was a baby. And her company. I mean, she doesn't own the company. She works there. Yeah. So I was talking to the owner. And I was, you know, he knows me. I know him. And we don't know each other really well. But I, he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm retired and he he said you are and I said yeah and I said but I'm always looking for something to do and he went oh, I have a project and I'm like okay yeah call me he got my cell phone number whether it works out or not but being able and willing right. to say hey let's try that this is something I've not done before the first I think you guys were the first podcast I ever did no kidding I, I feel so honored it was terrifying <laughs> it was so wonderful right? though yeah. that, I mean you offer you bring such great insight Thank to you. it and this is why we get along because I can 100% relate to that too if somebody's like hey do you want to do this thing I'm like I don't know maybe yeah so when we talk about careers and people only stay in five to seven years and lifelong learning and all of those things and I think the other piece for me is that I'm really intrinsically motivated right sure. it's not about the money it's not about the recognition it's because it I want to do it right. and it makes me happy right. to do something new and to challenge myself and so I think about all of us that are in the profession and you hit that point where oh I don't know that I want to stay in this profession anymore well look around and what else can you do right you don't I thought I was always going to be that technician who worked in practice for the rest of my life yeah and I was only in private practice for three and a half years and, and then just kept opening doors and walking through them and trying thing, new things out. And right. sometimes I failed. I applied for, when I was in the large animal hospital, I applied for the anesthesia, head anesthesia tech position. And I didn't get it. And it was devastating. Right. But if I would have gotten it, I never would have gone to Central Supply. I never would have gone down to the vet tech program. Mm -hmm. You know, all of those things I can look back on now and say, it sucked at the time. Right. But look at what, I wouldn't change a thing. Absolutely. And well, and I had that, you know, kind of reflective pause there for a moment because something else, you know, I think I've told this story before where in vet school, I remember going, you know, you go to all these different talks with veterinarians from different aspects of the industry and, and in different places in their careers. And I would say every single one of them, maybe there was an exception of one or two, but I, it felt like every single one of them was like, if you told me in 10 years that this is what I would be doing, I wouldn't have believed you. And I just remember just thinking like, 
what am I going to be doing in 10 years? And I'm here to tell you, if you would have told me 10 years ago that I would be sitting here with you doing a podcast episode, I would not have believed you. Yeah. So being open to those possibilities, um, and how, you know, I think that intrinsic motivation is, is a commonality to many of us. You know, we have that, that perfectionist personality of if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do a great job at yeah. it. Um, and yeah, so just kind of continuing to work hard. The other thing that resonated with me was you saying talking to people. We were doing a live uh, recording yesterday, and I was talking to um, someone in the audience, and um, she said, you know, was talking, oh, I really like your podcast and all this. And I said, well, you know, if there's something you want to hear that we're missing, like, please send me an email. I mean that when I say that. And I said, if I don't reply, send me two emails yeah. and, and get in touch with me again. So not not being afraid to to reach out, to see what's out there, to contact yeah. people. And because um, there's so many different opportunities in veterinary medicine beyond practice. And I think, you know, we talked before we started about the inner voice. Yes, I have. I have named mine Carl as of now. I'm kind of lo loving me like shut up, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> right, because we all say internally, I can't do this. Yeah, that's not me. I can't do this. And to take that voice and I don't want to say ignore it because you need to acknowledge that it's there. Sure. Right. You need to name it. Carl. Carl. Step back, Carl. Get yeah. out of my way, Carl. Because I think sometimes the, the biggest stumbling stone for any of us is ourselves. Yeah, it's so true. In the, I kind of hate the term imposter syndrome. I mean, I think we all have those insecurities where, how did I get here? How did I do this? Right. Like when I was, when I became president of NAVC, I was like, what? What? Like I'm this little girl from South Dakota. You know, we talked earlier. I'm this little chubby girl from South oh, Dakota. Oh, for goodness sakes. I know, right? But, but that's my inner Carl telling me, you're not good enough to do this. Mm -hmm. And why would anybody think you're good enough to do this? Yeah. And I think we forget that everybody around us has that inner voice, right. whatever it's saying to them. Right. You know, and I think it's really easy to think we're the only ones that don't believe in ourselves. Right. And I think you have to give yourself grace. I remember a conversation with Vet Tech Kelsey, her and I sat down and I can't remember her exact wording, but she's like, you know, when I have these thoughts of like, I'm not good enough, nobody's gonna like it, people are gonna say mean things. She's like, most of the time I've been meaner to myself than anybody is right? going to be. And it's almost like a protective mechanism of like, if I say these mean things to myself, then I have this armor against whatever somebody else can say about me. In reality, like most people don't say those mean things. Usually it's us saying the mean things to ourselves. Exactly. And I think you're exactly right, that whole armor thing. And I think... You know, that's some of the, I talk, I've done some talks. I think I did one with you guys during Vet Tech Week uh, yes, with NAVC, the empowerment, you yeah. know, self-empowerment. And, and it's about being vulnerable. And right. it's really hard in this day and age to be vulnerable sure. in front of people and build that trust with each other so that you can work together, so that you can really know, like you as the doctor, me as the technician, really knowing that we're both out there for the best care of our patient. Right. And that if I don't know what I need to do or if I have a question that I come to you and that you know I'm gonna do that, but yet you empower me or trust me to go ahead and do the things that I know how to do right. as, a, as a credential technician. Right, and that so, can be such, a, such an amazing relationship to just take any single burden off of an individual's shoulders. You know, I was just talking to one of the technicians that I was, we were trying to sedate this cat. And you know, we have buprenorphine, right? Which normally makes them all happy and they make biscuits and they're euphoric. No, huh. this cat got very angry after buprenorphine. And so she came to me and she said, we're gonna need to give him something else. And I said, what do you wanna do? 
it was honestly it wasn't about me trying to empower her it was like I didn't want the burden on me I was like what are we gonna give and you know how are we gonna safely sedate this cat and she said I want to give this and you know as the doctor I was able to kind of go through my head of like is that going to be safe yeah that sounds great and then the burden didn't fall to either one of us. We were both coming together as a team to safely sedate this cat that got so angry on buprenorphine. Right? I was like, this is not how this goes, sir. No, this is not how this is supposed to work. Yes. Yeah, I think, you know, the team piece is so important because it's not just about the veterinarian. It's not about the technician. It's not just about the CSR. It's not just about the assistants. It's not just about the, like, we're all together. And in the time I was in practice, like the people, the kennel people, the people who came in to clean and take care would come to me and say, you know, I don't think Fluffy is is right. Can you come and look? And I would come and look and I'd be like, you're right. And, you know, so it's about all of us. If the goal for all of us is taking care of the patient and include the client in that, right? Sure. And those conversations, we're all about helping their pet to become, go home and be better yeah. and be healthy. And so when that becomes the driving goal, what happens to everything? Can everything else fall away? Can we quit building our castles and putting our stakes in the sand? And can we just work together for what's the right thing to do and support each other in that, right? Right. Like, I don't need to talk about how stupid Dr. Cassie is or how stupid that patient is because they didn't, because they didn't follow the directions or, you know, how about, well, why didn't you follow the directions? What happened that you couldn't give the pill or couldn't, and how can we help that be better? So, you know, it's not about bad mouthing anybody anymore. I I don't really love the Mean Girls Club that seems to have formed in this profession. Things that are like swirling around in my head um, about empowerment and positivity. Let's start with positivity. All right. I just would love to hear your thoughts on positivity in the profession. We've gotten, you know, kind of... I don't know. I feel like this is a landmine. I, I'll, I'll be right with you because I have <laughs> yeah. a landmine. If you don't say it, I might. <laughs> I, I mean, it almost, sometimes is sometimes I feel like Eeyore a little bit. You know, oh, yeah. Everybody's seen my tail and, you know, oh, us uh, veterinary professionals and all this and this and this. When in reality, like, I love being a veterinarian. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. But, to, you know, do I love it? Do I regret it? Would I change a single thing? No. Yeah. Yeah, my, my landmine is uh, I think it's become a little bit of a badge of honor. Like, to talk like about martyrdom. yes, to sure. talk about how bad my practice is, or how mean my coworkers are, sure. or how horrible my profession is, and that's not me either. Right. I am I am super positivity girl, like rose colored glasses. I put them on. I've had them on for forty years, and something happens, and somebody throws them to the ground and crunches them up into little pieces, and I'm like, oh, look, there's my glasses, Aww. and I pick them up and I put them back on because I love being a registered veterinary technician. I mean, I was a supervisor, I was an academic advisor, but I'm always, when you fill out those forms and they say, what's your profession? It's, it will forever be registered veterinary technician. Absolutely. And I'm not afraid to tell people that on the plane. Yeah. Right? And they might ask me a question and I'll be like, "Mm, you should probably talk to your veterinarian about that. (laughs) Love that for you. I, I don't feel feel quite the same sense of freedom on the plane. <laughs> However, I do love the way that you phrased that when you said, I am a registered veterinary technician because I feel that way. I am a veterinarian. I don't practice veterinary medicine. I mean, I do practice veterinary medicine, but that's not at all how I phrase it to people. Yeah. It's not what I do. It is a large part of who I am. Yeah. And my husband knows that and my kids know that. And I was just asked by a friend recently like do you ever talk about anything else and I said the last time you asked me that was 10 years ago and it hasn't changed so probably not no so I like I 
am happy with that being a part of my identity. And it's nice to talk to other people who say, like, this is part of who I am. And I think I'm starting to see some glimmers of positivity. It's like, tell me it, about those. It's almost like that big piece of lava that, or that dark piece of, you know, and the lights are starting to crack through. Yeah. And I'm seeing people I'm, talk about the positive environment or culture at their clinic and what that means to them and how much they love this and come work with us. We have a great team. Yeah. And people talking about their love of the profession again. I think I'm hoping that we're just starting to turn that corner. You know, it's been, I think the pandemic kicked all of our butts in ways that we won't even realize yeah. for 20 years. Like I wanna be, I wanna be around in 20 years to look at the research, right? right? To see what it says about what happened to all of us. Because I think we won't know for a very long time. Right. But then how, the, how resilient we are as human beings. Yeah. And the things that were hard that we've learned, like we all Zoom now, right? Yes. Who could Zoom four years ago? I mean, in all reality, I still don't know how to start a Zoom okay. call. I can join them. I'm a pro <laughs> at joining Zoom calls, but like, can you, like whenever I see like, you've been made co-host, I get this like pain ah. anxiety, but I can join oh. them. I can be, I know how to put a background on. I love I doing can... all the little filters with the little yes. ears and yep. the little noses. I can do all of that for sure, which I could not do a few years ago. <laughs> so I think, you know, the the ability to connect with people around the world, the ability yeah. to share our knowledge, I went to the Ukraine talk that was down in the exhibit hall. Yeah. Whatever day it was here at VMX, right? I can't, they all run, they together. All run together. But one of the things they talked about is how much they need video lectures and content and information shared so that they can help educate the next generation of veterinarians. Sure. And I was like, we couldn't have done that three years ago, You're four right. years ago. And so, you know, and I started, a di I helped start a distance learning program 20 years ago. And it's just all of the stuff that has changed and has made us actually able to connect more in a, in sure. a better way and support each other, even if we've never met. Like I see people here that I'm friends with on Facebook, but I've never met them. Right. And so to actually get to meet them in person and talk with them and share and support, I think that's, I just, I think it's, maybe it's my rose colored glasses, but I do think we're starting to turn the corner. Money is getting better. Recognition for technicians is getting better. We're, we're having lots of difficult conversations about what the future looks like for our profession. I don't know where it'll land or end up, but I kind of wish I was a couple of years younger so that I would well. be around for the next phase of what happened. I well, I think you're in the perfect spot <laughs> being around for the next phase of what happens because you are bringing your experience and all of your career knowledge to what's happening next to help kind of guide that in a positive direction. Yeah. I would love to hear if you have any like specific examples of some really good positive conversations you've had maybe here at VMX or even just recently not at VMX. So when I was an academic advisor, just talking with the students about what the future holds for them, their excitement, the learning that was happening and watching that in their eyes, right? And still loving all of the things. So those are, you know, like I don't have, I don't know that I have specifics. I had a conversation yesterday with someone about, as we're planning the next hives, some topics that we wanna to talk about. And some of them are communication. Sure. And he, you know, cause none of us learn communication in yes. vet school or vet, our vet tech programs, right? right? because there's no time. Right. It's all about the medical. Yes. But he said he has seen all of the communication talks here full 
That's fantastic. Like people are wanting to engage. Yeah. And, you know, he said three or four years ago, he said, I don't know if we'd have had these topics about positive communication. Mm -hmm. I think about Josh Weissman with Flourish Veterinary Consulting. Like I've met him a few years ago and I just, Andy Davidson who works with him, mm -hmm. she's out there. They're helping practices turn their culture around and, yeah. and addressing those issues that need to be addressed. And I think n not being afraid to have the conversation. Right. Like what is, what is clinic culture mean to you? What does a positive culture mean to you versus what it means to me? Yeah. Right? And all of us thinking about that and talking about that mm -hmm. and then working towards it. Right. So I know I'm talking in big things, but I think just the conversations and, and for him yesterday to say, these talks were all full and I'm not sure they'd have been full three years ago. It kind of shows you that that priority of the medical is important but now you know we've hit kind of this this patch of negativity that you know the pandemic certainly didn't help anything and now we need to figure out how to come back from that and you know the things that you're saying you know assuming good intent in people and you know, being able to constructively have these conversations i know that's been um kind of eye-opening for me of how to have these conversations. And there's a huge element of behavioral psychology that goes in there. It's yeah. not just like you got it or you don't. These can be learned techniques. And if you understand how the psychology works, you can be a much more effective communicator, a much more effective leader. And so that's great to hear that people are kind of putting the emphasis on that of how do I, how do, I do this in a positive way? And how can I impact positive change by having these communication skills and feeling comfortable to have the tough conversations? There's a quote, I don't know who said it, about you know your success in life can be measured by the number of tough conversations you're willing to have. Wow. And I think about that when I'm about to have a tough conversation. I'm like, this is growth. This is it doesn't feel like growth, but, yeah. but it is. And, yeah. and so to be able to have those more effectively and have them be more impactful is is I think really important to the progression and the positivity in our profession. I think another good sign, mentor vet. Oh, yes. Oh, she is just so impressive. So I went online and signed up to be a mentor. Oh, good. Oh, my gosh. Have you done that? No. Do I need to do that? Yes. Okay. But set aside like six weeks to do that. No, I'm kidding. Not that <laughs> I was long. Like, no. at first I was so like, you, like, you, fill like out, you fill out a thing and then you, they say yes. And, and you have to do an online or a, uh, like you do a Zoom call. Okay. And you have, I think it's a two-hour thing. Okay. Um, and the first hour is all about mentor vet. And then the second hour is QPR training. Do you know what QPR training it's, is? Um, Question, persuade, refer. Yes. So it's suicide prevention. Right. And I'm a QPR trainer, so I didn't have to go to the second hour. So I was like, yes. <laughs> so then you do that, and then you get an email from them, and you go to their online learning platform, and you s learn. They have several modules that you go through, and they say it'll take you, well, no, I got corrected because I talked to Addie yesterday. It took me way longer than three hours. And okay. she says, Paige, it's not three hours. It said three hours of recorded videos. Ah. To watch. But then there's some interactivity, and there's some quizzes, and there's case study, and then you take a quiz at the end. Okay. Um, and one of the, when you were talking, it made me think of it because you talked about probably one of the things I struggle with, and many of us probably do, is the active listening, right? Oh, yeah. Listening to really listen, right? Not and to learn, right? Not listening to respond. Yes, that's a Carl thing, an inner monologue thing. That's a skill that I've had to work on quite a bit doing these interviews because, you know, especially when there's a, you know, we need to make sure that we cover these important points. It, the default can be to like, okay, what's the next question I need to ask? And am I preparing and everything? It's become easier over the years to sit and say, okay, I don't care what the next question is. I'll figure that out in a minute that yeah. editing is for. Yeah. And to really listen. But 
when you try to take those skills and translate them into a busy clinic setting mm-hmm. and you know there's three drop-offs on the board and you this this person has told you their life story in addition to a few things that are wrong with their pet and you right. still haven't gotten the treatment plan out, it can be really hard to remember and continue to use those active listening yeah. skills. And so I think that's another sign of positivity, that MentorVet is there. We can sign up and be mentors. The mentees pick us based on our profile. It's like they say it's like a little bit of a dating profile. (laughs) And they're like, don't worry if nobody picks you right away. It's okay. And they're just, the vet tech stuff is just starting this in January. So I think, you know, those are, we're starting to recognize well-being and boundaries. And, um, you know, when I started, we worked 24-7. And we never said no, and we answered the phone in the middle of the night, and we did all of those things. And and now, I look at I say the younger generation, but as as people are different, as people are different, they have to decide what works for them, and then we have to not judge, right? Because it's yeah. really easy for me to say, really, you're right. going home at five o'clock, and I'm still here. Right. Well, that's my choice. Right. And so you need to go home, take care of your family, you need to do whatever you need to do. That's important too. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. And I'm thinking about the, you know, kind of moving into this digital world that Mm -hmm. we live in and that was accelerated by COVID. It's, It's like a blessing and a curse. And I think it's really important now, now we're bringing in that and communication Mm -hmm. because it's allowed for a lot of flexibility in working hours where, you know, I'm a working mom and to say, okay, well, I have to be available for my kids during this time, but I also have this job to get done. And so it might work out best for me to get up super early and spend two hours on the computer before I have to run everybody out the door and have that then more time to focus in the evening. So I think in that way, it's a blessing because we can have that flexibility that we need. On the other hand, if I send you an email at five o'clock in the morning, then if you're not careful and you don't have open communication, it can create this message of, well, I'm working, why aren't you? Exactly. And so I think, you know, it all kind of comes together as this, how are we doing this in a productive way that's healthy for everyone? Exactly. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. It's, well, and it's been, so, it's been so nice because being a veterinarian and veterinary technician, like those aren't necessarily the most flexible jobs no. when it comes to working hours. No. So. And, you know, I, I do remember being in the clinics and, you know, you have your day and you know what's happening. And then, you know, six emergencies walk right. in the door and your day goes to yeah. HE double toothpicks, right? Yeah. So that I don't cuss. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great. But I think, you know, those are the things that are, that I see that are positive, that are changing. We're not shoving stuff under the carpet and ignoring it anymore. We're bringing it to the top and we're saying, how can we address that? Right. And how can we move forward? Well, now I want to pick your brain. With oh, your, no. You're in the field and the way that you've seen, seen things progress. Mm. I think some of the way that we're dealing with that, you know, six emergencies come in and your day is just, you know, whatever you thought it was going to be. It's not that, which, yeah. is not, which is pretty typical. Yeah. But some of the ways that we're dealing with that is to say, you know, urgent care and emergency veterinarians and things like mm-hmm. that. I would love your perspective on how you feel about the transitions that we made. And maybe, you know, like, no, I can't mm-hmm. see that emergency. I need to send it out the door. And yeah. um, gosh, then we're now we're getting into like God. accessibility of care and like right? going on and on and on. <laughs> right. I think we're, as a profession, we're in a we're in a really challenging time and we're trying to figure out how do we take care of our pets or our patients and our clients, but how do we also take care of ourselves? Yeah. And it's really hard. Another positive though, is I'm starting to see people having an understanding 
of why we have to turn a patient away. Like clients. A client, yes. Clients starting to understand or people who are not in the profession sharing the posts that yeah. we post about, we love your pet and it's not all about money or you know we're the ones who sit with your pet yeah. when, when they're euthanized because you can't be there or whatever, you know, whatever the choice is, not, not in a judgment way, but we're there and people that are not in the profession are starting to share those posts. Nice. And I think that's so important to have, nobody understands the profession, any profession, as well as those that are in it in the moment, right? And so for us as a profession to be able to talk about those challenges and have people understand. Now, the haters are always going to hate, and yeah. I'm just, you know, those are the outer Carls. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. You've got your inner Carl, we got outer Carls. Those are the Carls. outer Carls. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's given us the ability, you don't have to go into practice and be all things to all people. Right. We used to be, right? As a veterinarian, you were right. large animal, small animal. You were... Okay, so 40 years ago, right? You, yeah, were all things, right? you were all things to all people. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't have to do that anymore. We get, right. to, we get to choose. I love anesthesia. I want to do anesthesia. Yeah. And there's a place where I can go, and that's all I get to do. Yeah. Or I love emergency and critical care. Or I love GP. Mm -hmm. Or I love humane societies or shelter medicine. Yeah. Or I love lizards and things. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. You know, right? Sorry, didn't mean to turn up my nose at lizards and things. <laughs> No offense, no offense. <laughs> we love lizards um, too. I know. I, yeah, Some, somebody does. Yes, right. Well, you but we the all get. And, I did want the yeah. dragon, but I now mean, we need to give context because like nobody's like, going to understand why we just started talking about, about a dragons, dragon. But, you know, dragon husbandry. I'm sure you know we could make some translations. I'm sure there. there's. I yes, I was just going to hand my dragon off to the handlers. So when I became president of NAVC in 20 in January of 2020. Um, I kept telling everybody I wanted, like, what are they, what do you want? I'm like, I want a dragon. Cause it was big game of Thrones. I think they were getting ready to do their last season. Right. And, and I just have been enamored with dragons my whole life. I read the dragon riders of Pern series. So if sure. you're into sci-fi at all, so all, I love dragons. And so I'm like, I just want a dragon. And then what, what did we get? I got a pandemic, you know, I'm like, I'm like, dragon. dang it. I did not ask for this. Yes. So there's the whole dragon. Where the dragon came from. Yeah, but you were yeah. not going to do the dragon husbandry. No, I handlers. was going to have handlers. I was just yes. riding her and, you know. Yes. Yeah. And I love that it's a her. Of course it is. Because yeah. power. Yeah. Girl power. Absolutely. I love it. Man. <laughs> yeah. And, and do the everything. things that you love to do mm -hmm. and not have to be all things to all people. Right. And then the luxury to figure out what that is. Sure. You know? And I feel like communication comes into that yeah. a lot. Because maybe part of the reason we're getting more understanding from pet owners when we say we can't do that is maybe we're doing a more effective job communicating it yeah. not just you know oh no we're too busy today no we have a full schedule but instead yeah. listen if you come to me I can do like I know one of one of the things I'll tell people commonly if I think it could be very involved is you know listen if you come to me and then I find out that your pet needs sedation and you know all these things I don't have time in my day to do that and do a good job and stay focused on your pet and you don't yeah. want your pet sedated with someone who's not focused exactly and you also don't want to pay two exam fees because if you come to me and then I say no we got to do all this and I send you somewhere else then yeah. you're paying more you're paying double exam fees so I think it would be the best plan for you and your pet to just go here originally and I don't, I don't, I'm sure that is not how I was communicating it in the beginning. Yeah. Um, so maybe some of those communication talks being full and getting better at relaying our message is helping that yeah. understanding. I hope so. I think so. I think so. I think there, my rose colored glasses are just on and I just, I always think the best of people and I, 
I always look for the best in people trying to figure out what it is, how I can bring that out, how I can help that grow. I love that you're you're maintaining the rose-colored glasses, even through everything we've been through in the last few years, yeah. you know, with the, the, yeah. the pandemic and what our profession, you know, how our profession looked through that pandemic, because it was not always rosy. No, it was not. It was super hard. Yeah. It was, you know, I think I told somebody earlier this week that as I, when the pandemic happened and at Purdue, when you're in a DVM or a vet tech program, there's a lot of hands-on stuff happening, right? And, right. and so all of a sudden, everybody had to go home and oh, our students, yeah. we, it was just chaos. Mm -hmm. And we struggled and worked really hard behind the scenes trying to figure out, and of course then we weren't in the office, right? right? And so trying to figure out how do we bring students back safely and how do we do all that stuff. All of that stuff we went through. So this is me being vulnerable. So I'm not very introspective. I think I make a decision and I move on and I don't go back and, and second guess it, sure. right? So I just, I continue to move through. As I was getting ready to retire, I started going through emails and cleaning out my email box because, I mean, I actually get to keep the email, but I wanted to get rid of stuff. Sure. And I started going through my sent box and I started seeing things from that March, April, May of 2020. And... I got a little sick to my stomach. Really? Yeah. And it's it shocked me because I was like, well, I handled that. I went through that. It's done. But I, so like, I don't know what PTSD, like I have not had, I would not say I've been diagnosed with because, but that I wonder a little bit of what that, and I stopped. I just deleted them. I quit reading them because I'm like, I don't need to relive this because sure. obviously it took more out of me than I knew at the moment, yeah. you know, and I think that's. See, look, you always make me cry. I always cry on your <laughs> Well, no, but I, but I just the it, vulnerability oh. is, I think it's so important to We say, have to remember that. Yeah, to say it was hard. It was We're so it's hard. It's not over. It's, no, no, yeah. and we have to deal with it. Right. Right, so I still didn't really deal with it. I just threw them away. Sure. But I thought it helped me have more empathy. I hate to say this also, I'm not hugely empathetic. Like, it's something I have to work at. Okay. Because I'm like, again... Buck yeah. up, do the like, job, let's, let's go. Yeah. And But it pulled me back for a second and made me think about, you know, I also saw it in my parents being, you know, in a lockdown and in their early 80s, mid 80s, and not being able to have their social circle and how much it aged them. Yeah. And little kids who lost time in school and all the kids who lost, you know, mm -hmm. we all lost something. And we need to recognize that and honor that and move on. Right. So I, I hope I didn't go down into the, I wasn't trying to be. It felt honest and, and vulnerable yeah. to say, I'll tell you, it's not something I've really thought about. I kind of feel the same as you of like, yep, we did that. It was terrible. We moved on. But yeah. there are some resounding effects in in ways that we may not even yeah. think about unless we dive into yeah. what it was really like, you know, when all of that happened back in 2020. I laughed. Some parts of it I laughed. My husband bringing home the groceries and we wiping everything down oh, yeah. with, the, oh, yeah. with the, you know, the, I'm like, jeez. Oh, I know. <laughs> Some I of know. the stuff we did, I'm I just know. like, oh my gosh. It, it's like knowing what we know, you know, hindsight yeah. is always 2020. Always. But... Just stay home for two weeks. We, I went to, my husband just and I went to a comedian the other night and he was like, just stay home for two weeks. Yeah. Okay, we just need you to stay home for two weeks more. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, I'm like, I'm science girl. And I was like, okay, we can, it'll be yeah, over in two weeks. Oh, okay. God, that was such crap. Oh, I know. And it was. <laughs> but I, I wanted to believe it, right? The rose colored yes. glasses wanted to believe in two weeks. It'll be all done and over with. Oh, well, I remember my husband, you know, he does human resources. So he was involved in a lot of these conversations at yeah. the university. He was like, I spent my whole day, you know, talking about COVID today and this new virus. And I was like, 
really? Like, is that really a thing? Like, are we worried about that? And then it was not a week later that we were locked down. And yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's a real it's thing. A real we're worried. Thing. But only for two weeks. <laughs> but only if we're locked down for two weeks, yeah. it'll be great. We can do two weeks. That'll be fine. <laughs> and the extrovert in me was like slowly dying yeah. inside. But we yeah. did learn how to use Zoom. We did. Yeah. We did. <laughs> we learned. Well, some of us. Yeah, how to use all. Yeah. All right. Now it's my goal. Now it's my goal to teach you how to start a Zoom meeting. I, I, that sounds good. I will. That will have advanced me so far. I just learned how to do Instagram. Oh, like, look at you. I mean, oh, that's generous to say I learned how to use Instagram. Like, no, I, I learned a little bit of how to how to use Instagram. Yeah. I'm getting there. I'm progressing. Do you do TikTok? No. I know. That's a scary. scary it is thing. a little. Yeah. <laughs> I no. look at that's it. Too I have far. A, I have an account and I watch it, but I don't yeah. ever do anything. Like I don't really understand some of that, but I'm like, okay. Yes. Yeah. The cats. I think I watch the cats on TikTok. I, well, so and I think a lot of the the TikTok stuff also ends up on Instagram. Yes. Baby steps. Baby steps. Baby steps. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. And you know, if you post on Facebook, it'll automatically post on Instagram. I did. Yes. I there think um, somebody had to do that for me. So it would do that, but they did it. Yeah. And now it's now. Now it, it just does yep. it, right? Yep. Now it works. Wow. Look at us coming into the 21st century together. It's at Dr. Cassie, Dr. Dr. Cassie, C-A-S-S-I dot D-V-M. Where can we find you? Why did they make that so long? Oh, Paige, I did that. Like, because I don't know. Oh, so Dr. Cassie was taken. And so we oh, were like, what Oh, man, you should do? hunt them now. I should. Wait, in a positive way. <laughs> I should, yes, exactly. And exude positivity towards them. Could I please have the Dr. Cassie? I have no on? idea what mine is. I think it's RVT Page. Oh, I like that. I think it's at RVT at Page. At RVT Page. Yeah. Yeah. So then if people want more positivity, they can come find us. Exactly. Yeah. But don't find me on TikTok because I don't do anything on TikTok. Yeah. Actually, I do. One of the fun things on TikTok is you can do these fun little filters, like make oh. you look like a Viking. Oh, and that would be perfect for oh, your dragon. Oh, my gosh. Right? Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, if only you had the dragon and the Viking Here we go with the dragon again. Great. You're going to make me want that <laughs> dragon again. I don't, I, I don't know why you ever stopped wanting the dragon. I didn't, and, but. Yeah. Just try to repress it. A little bit. Yeah. Makes me sad to not have it. I, I believe it. It makes not me really. sad that you don't have it. <laughs> it was so funny when we were talking off microphone and you said a bearded dragon. I'm like, no, not no. a bearded dragon. A real dragon. A Game of Thrones One dragon. I can fly. Yes. Anyway, sorry. I feel like you should get a bearded dragon now, though. No. Just so you can say you have I, a dragon. I think reptiles are beyond my ability to uh, care for appropriately. I, that I think myself. they're really a. They really have very specific. They do. You know, I have cats, food and water. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, and a litter box. I can do that. Yeah, I my can't. Daughter wants a lizard and a all lizard. the right food and the lights mm. and the, and the temperature. Heat. and Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of husbandry in there. How old is your daughter? For a dragon. She will be seven. Yeah, she's not ready for that. Oh, no. No, no. Okay, so now they need their own cat or hamster so or my gerbil is allergic to cats oh. it's like a real and don't allergy. get the hairless ones sorry I, that, well, so sorry those I, who love the hairless ones that was sorry. what i offered to my daughter yeah. i was like we could get a naked cat and they were like we don't want a naked cat and i was like well i can't get a cat um they have fish oh okay the fish are cool we love the yeah. fish and um, apparently you can teach fish to do things they they definitely know like when i walk up to the tank yeah they're like are you the... here to feed us and yeah so they're they are really neat um i'm sure we'll expand in the i was trying to yeah. talk them like they tried to talk my husband into a ferret and he was like what do you think and I was like of course I'm gonna say yes like why are you asking me this question <laughs> it seems silly obvious. boy yes like, <laughs> yes we should definitely have I've a heard ferret. ferrets are pretty good pets I had a really good one did you I was in college like yeah. as long as you knew to them right because otherwise right. they get but the I don't whole know smelly thing ethically 
source a ferret. Oh. That was one of the roadblocks. So if anybody listening today yeah. knows how to do that, yes. you can reach out at, at dr.cassie, C-A-S-S-I dot. DVM. DVM. Yes, that's On Instagram. Right. Please don't mail me any ferrets. Like, give me, give me the, the right to see now. <laughs> I'm gonna. I mean, I, like, in full disclosure, like, I wouldn't be mad if I like found a ferret One, that had been yeah. had showed up in my house. There you go. I don't know how my husband. Be careful. Feel don't. About what's it. your address? I know. Yeah. Put that one out there, and then I'll have like that's what ferrets yeah. galore. Andy Rourke and I were talking about like the moose, and he gets. He gets moose handed oh, to him. Oh, does he? Like little moose figurines. He, I didn't know he loves mo oh, mooses. Not, he went me to nieces. <laughs> he went to Nova Scotia with his wife, and she just wanted to see a moose. So they spent the whole oh. time looking for a moose, and they never found one. So he's determined. Hashtag moose truth. Moose aren't real. They're invented by the Forest Service. Oh, that's hilarious. So people keep handing him like moose figurines. It's also so getting ferrets. <laughs> we were at Lynn Harris Johnson. Lynn Johnson. Lynn Harris. Yes. Past, past president. Yeah. We were at their place and saw moose in Maine. So they are real. He doesn't have to go to Nova Scotia. No, Nova Scotia. Yeah. <laughs> Am I drunk? Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia. <laughs> he went uh, too far. He that was did. We were yeah. in Maine, like driving down the road, and there was one just hanging out. Yeah. See? Yeah. We should tell him. Be like, listen. We know I'll where tell him next moose. time I see him. I know go. where one is. Yes. I know where, where one is. Find a moose. Yeah. There's this one in particular. He didn't His have to go Carl. international. His name's Carl. <laughs> So I love that we've brought it back around to Carl, and we've kind of come full circle yes, here yes. with the moose named Carl. So that that brings me kind of back to your story before we went, you know, way off down the road. Back to your story about looking at these emails from when oh, the pandemic yeah. happened and how difficult that was. One of the other conversations we had before we turned on the microphone was kind of about remembering to appreciate the moment and, and oh, be yeah. in the moment. and. You had a really yeah. powerful story about, you know, remembering to absorb what's yeah. happening and be in the moment. So after I retired from Purdue, Purdue campus all the time, going to meetings, walking, beautiful, beautiful campus, all of these old, rich, historical buildings. And I never paid attention to any of it because I'm always going to a meeting and I'm late and I'm walking really fast and there's students everywhere. And, and I was one of those who said hi to every student on campus as I'm meeting oh, them. Like I'm the crazy that. person. Hi, hi, hi. I was there. I don't It was after I was retired. I needed to drop off some paperwork and I was walking on campus and I was walking past one of the science buildings, which I don't remember what they what it was called. But up there in the in the building itself, it said Aristotle and I don't know who are the Socrates, other Socrates hypocrisy. and all of those people and I was just like how and they had those they had like their faces I don't know if it was really their faces but you sure. know that and I thought to myself how did I never see these in my 35 years on Purdue's campus in some ways it made me realize how little I ever lived in the moment because I was always the next thing, was always the next meeting, it was the next student, it was the next something and I have to keep moving and so I as I've retired and been able to get to, get to pick up my grandkids from yes. school, you know, it made me realize the importance. And so that would be my nugget of wisdom to share with people is be in the moment and be present and recognize what's around you. Stop for, you know, they stop and smell the roses, blah, but whatever. It, but there's a reason that, <clears throat> right? that saying has been around for so yeah, long. Yeah, but just really enjoy where you're at in the moment and don't worry about what you did yesterday because you can't change it, even right. if you screwed up. Right. Just be better tomorrow. Yeah. But also don't worry about tomorrow, because right now is never going to happen again. Right. And I feel really profound and 
sort of fake saying that because I didn't do it. I mean, I think I did in short little increments. Right. But every day is such a gift. Yeah. And you have to remember that and appreciate it. Even the hard stuff mm -hmm. is a gift. When I was a young tech and I got in trouble for something and they told me that I needed to be more enthusiastic. That's a long story, which we're not going to talk about. Are you allowed to say but, that to people anymore? Right. <laughs> but what I, and then I ended up having to help a DVM and uh, clean out his office because it was packed full of stuff. Yeah. And I found this really old, old, old veterinary journal of some sort. There was an ad in there that said, that had two children, and it said, enthusiasm can be contagious, dot, dot, dot. So, is, so are lice. <laughs> and I hung that in my locker yes. and laughed about it every day because they're like, be more enthusiastic, be more engaged. And I'm like, well, yeah, so, so can like lice. lice. Just yeah. like lice. <laughs> so I think, I don't know why I remember that, but appreciate every day. Yeah. And enjoy the people around you and the environment that you're in. And if you're not enjoying the environment you're in, then figure out how to change it. Right. Or change yourself. Change your place. Well, and, you know, we talk about mental health quite a bit in our profession. And yeah. we talk about, you know, depression, you're worrying about the past and anxiety, you're worrying about the future. Is and that what that is? I, so this is what I've heard. I I'm not a behavioral that. psychologist. No, I love that. <laughs> depression is about, is worrying, worrying about, about the, the past. past. And I may and be butchering this. And anxiety is about the future. It's about oh, the future. Interesting. And so yeah. kind of living in the moment, like you've said, and that can be easier said than done. The other thing, too, is if we can remember to be present and be in the moment, we can be braver about our choices and our decisions because what comes from it, like that's in the future. What are you going to do right now? Yep. And like you said, don't worry about what you said yesterday. You can't change it. Of course, you know, if you need to go apologize, go apologize. Exactly. And you, but exactly. that's something you can do. That's exactly. an action step you can take moving forward. Worrying about it, feeling bad about it is not going to change nope. it. I have to have this talk with my daughter. And sometimes when I'm talking to her about it, I feel like I'm actually talking to myself about right? it. Right. Every day. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. And I, you know, I think, Sometimes as you were talking, I was like, I thought to myself, because, right, I wasn't active listening. I was listening to respond. Right, it's so hard. Be like your dog. Because your dog has no idea that there was a yesterday. Especially and they have no dog. idea that there's a tomorrow. They're just like right here and really happy to see you in the moment. And right. when you're not there, they're like, I don't know where they are. I don't, are they, around? I don't know who they are. I'm right. going to take a nap or I'm going to have a snack. And then you come in the door and they're like, <gasps> You're here. I'm yes. so happy. So I think, like, we should live more like our dogs. Yeah. And I'm not a dog person. I would live more like my cat. Yeah, I mean. Asleep on the bed in the sunshine. So that kind of sounds, living like a cat kind of sounds great. Yeah. And Yeah, absolutely. And then I, pet me. Oh, no, I'm kidding. Don't pet me. Just kidding. Just kidding. Pet me when I'm in the mood. Right. And now stop. Yes. Yeah. Go away from me, human. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think that's really the nugget of wisdom to impart here in this talk of. Live like your dog. Live, live like, like your cat. Exactly. Don't or whatever people. pet you choose. Yes. Yes. Or your dragon. Or your fish or your ferret. <laughs> <laughs> or your reptile. Yes. Other than a dragon. Other than a whatever. dragon. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Paige. It's always so much fun to talk to you. And I love the, the tangents that we go off on and never... You know, we sat down here with no real plan. We yeah. just sat down to have a conversation, and it's been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's just always so much fun to just sit and talk with you. I hope you guys had as much fun with that episode as we did, and maybe you all now have creative names for your inner monologues. 
Paige, thank you so much for joining me. I love every opportunity we get to, to just get together and, and have these conversations. You're always so insightful. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. I'm told it will help other veterinary professionals find this and other great content that we try to put out there. If you'd like to hear more episodes, click on the education tab on the Vetfolio website. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this talk, as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day.